as I'm sitting here listening to you, it's just, uh, I think, important to point out, at the end of the day, it's really the, the little things that matter most to our employees. It's what we yeah. do as managers. It's more of the little things that maybe impact them more on a personal level. How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte. And I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Leadership Jam Session. Today's guest is Scott Holmes. He's a good friend of mine, someone who uh, used to work together at a previous company. And Scott has over 30 years of experience in the healthcare industry and is currently the vice president of a commercial business group at a startup biotech company. Scott, welcome to the Jam Session. Thanks so much, Rob. Always a pleasure catching up with you. Um, really excited to be here with you today. Well, I'm excited to have you here and because I have a lot of questions. We have a lot of topics to talk about. So are you ready to jam? Yes, sir. Let's jam on. All right. So, you know, having the, uh, having the experience and the privilege of working with you previously at another company, I worked closely with you and your teams, and you've always had the reputation of building high-performing, building high-performing, cohesive teams. And people love working for Scott Holmes. People enjoy working on your teams. And so love to get a little bit of a peek behind the curtain in terms of your approach, how you built these teams, because you currently are building a, a, you know, a, a team over the past couple of years at your, your new organization. But you had the same the same opportunity at the previous company years ago to build right. from scratch this team. And I got to imagine it was probably some bumps along the way with the, the previous team. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And so I joined this company in two, September on September 11th of 2006, crazy enough, mm -hmm. um, to start with a pilot. Uh, so it was a team of three and with myself as the lead. Um, and it was a pilot to see if this idea of an internal reimbursement support team would actually work and help the brand achieve its longer term objectives. Uh, so it was a bit of a risk for me because I knew going in, it was a pilot and if mm -hmm. it failed, then I unlikely would no longer be with said company. Um, but I was willing to take the risk because I was confident that uh, with the right people, um, who were focused on delivering exceptional results and uh, really strong customer service to patients and healthcare providers uh, that the team would ultimately be successful and have the opportunity to expand. And so after just two or three short months, the pilot was proven to be effective and the company made the decision that they would expand this team. And I had about four months to recruit, hire, and train um, another 12 to 15 employees um, to basically build out this program and continue delivering exceptional service uh, to our healthcare providers and patients. Yeah, so just to give some context to the, to the type of team that you were managing, and you know, unfortunately in the pharmaceutical world, we get a bad rap for just because of pricing and, and things like that. What a lot of people don't realize is that you know, there's a lot of programs behind the scenes, particularly at, you know, when we worked together, your department patient support group was responsible for providing a lot of uh, financial support, free drugs to patients uh, along the way. And your department was extremely valuable 
to patients, to the organization. And For sure. Yeah. So what were some of the challenges of getting this team up off the ground? Because, you know, where it ended years later, it was a phenomenal team. This, what was unique about the patient support team is outwardly, as you described, the team was known to be high performing, uh, always delivering great communicators, um, willing to go run through a wall for a patient, for example. Uh, but behind the curtain, there were tons of challenges, challenges mostly because of corporate maturity. Uh, many of the team members were new to corporate America, so not yeah. as seasoned as the team I have today. Um, the emotional intelligence was certainly not um, in an optimal position. Um, and th the team was extremely competitive. And so decisions that I made often felt like favoritism to others. Um, like what? Just, uh, Give me an example. Because that, that's a big problem for a lot of us out there yeah. managing teams, right? The whole favoritism thing. Sure. I guess the best example I have is there was a team member who um, the, the entire team would have to travel out of state from time to time. And there was a right. team member who needed to take a trip. And I noticed that he was a bit stressed about traveling. Um, and he, you know, approached me and talked to me about some of the stress he was dealing with. And ultimately, it boiled down to a family situation. Um, this employee had a young child and an employee's wife worked quite a bit of a ways from their home. Mm -hmm. And so when this employee needed to travel, his wife would have to adjust her work schedule, which was not so easy for her in order to get the child to daycare or preschool. And so once he opened up and expressed that this was his challenge, yeah. I said, well, you know, I think we have a pretty simple solution. You know, I live about 10 minutes from you and I would have no problem going to your house in the morning to pick up your son early enough so that your wife can continue with her schedule and get to work on time, drop your son off at daycare, and if necessary, uh, in the evening, pick him up. But of course, the pickup is much more difficult in a daycare setting if you're not on the list of approved uh, people to pick up. Uh, but just simply offering to pick up his son and drop him off at daycare um, completely changed uh, his mood and totally relieved him of that stress. So, um, so just so I understand, you, you actually went and and would drop his son off at, at daycare? Yeah, I would go to his house, uh, pick his son. I would pick his son up around 7.30 whenever this employee needed to travel. 7.30 in the morning, drop, him off, drop his son off at daycare. And luckily, um, because of his wife's schedule, she would be able to get back in time uh, to pick their son up from daycare at the end of the day. And, and, and I mean it, it literally relieved him of the stress. And this is something that continued the entire time I led that team. And But the unfortunate thing is, as some other team members learned of this, they kind of felt um, like he was being favored. But I honestly, Rob, I learned this lesson from my mother as a child. <clears throat> so my mother had nine children wow. over the course of 19 years. I, of course, being the youngest. And so as the youngest, I was always looking for attention and I would ask my mother questions. And the typical question I would ask her would be, who is your favorite son? 
So my mother had eight boys and one girl. And I would ask wow. all the time, who is your favorite son? So when I was five or six or seven, of course, my mother would entertain me and say, of course, Scott, you're my favorite son. <laughs> but as I got a bit older, her message changed. And the message she delivered to me uh, was, I don't have a favorite, Scott. She said, I love you all equally, but differently. Hmm. Each of you requires something different. <clears throat> and so I took that when I look back, I took that and applied that to my leadership of this patient support team by picking and choosing or finding the opportunities to treat everyone equally, just differently. So while that one employee required me to go pick his son up and drop his son off at daycare, another employee just simply wanted a little bit of flexibility when it came to working from home when she needed to travel to the West Coast. And so we made that accommodation. Uh, there was a, another employee who was not motivated by money or promotions. He was only motivated by having an opportunity to engage with the executives in the company. Uh -huh. And so whenever I would make a trip to the corporate headquarters, I would bring him along with me so he could rub elbows with the vice president of marketing. Mm -hmm. And those things mattered. So I simply took what I learned from my mother that it was important, of course, to treat everyone fairly and equally, uh, but not everyone needs the exact same things. Wow. That's awesome. And I'm just curious. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there must have been, you know, others in the group that either pushed back or did feel like they weren't, you know, they were being treated unfairly. I'm just curious. Anything else that you did, you know, in terms of like, maybe cook dinner for family or I'm just, <laughs> just curious on what else. Yeah, no cooking dinner, but I do remember one employee um, purchased her first home. And as you can imagine, uh, first home, lots of unintended expenses pop up. Sure. <laughs> and the employee wasn't quite sure how uh, she was going to get the, bedrooms painted in her new home and you know because i built such great relationships with the team members people just would open up and talk and i said to that employee i think we got a simple answer right we have a pretty strong team here and while we fight and battle behind the scenes from time to time ultimately uh, this team we all care about each other so let me just see if some of the team members here might have some free time sent out a quick message and like six people said, absolutely, we will come to your new home and paint the bedrooms in your house. And it actually worked out that the next night was uh, the next evening, uh, everyone was available. And so I ordered some pizza and some drinks and we showed up at her home and painted three bedrooms uh, for her and her two children. So yeah, we, wow. we kind of did things like that. Okay, so I just have to say, let's just take a time out here just for a moment, because I've known you for a number of years. I've worked closely with your team. In fact, there uh, at one point, you even brought me in to do some development with your team. And this whole time, I never knew any of that, <laughs> of what yep. you did behind the scenes. Yep, again, I think that comes from, from my upbringing. Um, for me, it's not so much about the show and bringing attention to myself. Yeah. Um, I just 
do what kind of makes sense. Um, again, I think it has a lot to do with being the youngest of nine children mm-hmm. and learning from my mother and all of my older brothers and my older sister. Uh, we just go about your business and things will fall into place. You don't necessarily need to bring attention. If you're asked a question, of course, it may come up, but um, all of the hoopla and attention and promotion isn't really necessary. Um, one of the other things that people are probably completely unaware of. Uh, When I started this team, I knew it would be important for the team members to have a glimpse of the person they were going to be speaking to on the other end of the phone. So Mm. the product was geared toward elderly patients, many of whom were uh, fixed income and on Medicare patients. And so when we when I built this team, I established a relationship with uh, a nonprofit entity in Summit, New Jersey, which provided adult care services uh, to the elderly. Things like a recreation center where the elderly could come for the day instead of sitting in their homes alone. Mm. Um, Meals on wheels. So every week, I think it was typically on a Thursday, two team members would go to this elder care facility and participate in the Meals on Wheels program. And they would literally drive to different senior citizens' homes and buildings and deliver meals every Thursday um, for the two and a half years that I was responsible for this team. So we just did these things. I, I knew it was important for the people to understand who they were talking to and get a sense of what their lives might be like. Sure. Um, and I'm also really um, uh, keen on giving back. Um, the only reason I'm in this industry is because of a story that I heard from uh, the former CEO of Merck when he talked about, I think the product is Mectazan, it treats river blindness. And when he spoke at an event many, many years ago, and he talked about the company. He didn't talk about the company in terms of market cap or stock price or revenue. What he was most proud of was that this company at that time had been voted America's most admired company at that time, four years in a row, Mm. because they donated this product that treats river blindness to these countries in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, I won't go into all the details about river blindness, but ultimately, People in these countries, they kind of use this one water source for everything, bathing, cooking and everything. And ultimately, these black flies will bite them and inject this larvae. And ultimately, the larvae, when they become adults, can basically make your eyes hard as a rock and you become blind. Well, the company found this product that could treat that disease. Clearly, people in the countries could not afford it Mm -hmm. and they simply donated it. Mm. And I was struck by that. Uh, so that's why I decided to get into this industry. And I've just continued to do things like that, helping people get access to medications while also giving back to the to the broader community when possible. But what I also hear is how much you give back to your employees too. some of the examples you shared. Yeah, I mean, even, you know, what you did for your employee in terms of, you know, helping him with his dropping his kid off at daycare. Now, I got to imagine there are some out there who are listening, who are sitting back uh, thinking, all right, well, that's just crossing the line. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I'm sure for many people that would be crossing the line, but um, for me, it's all about positive intent. Yeah. My intentions were pure Um, and be clear. I didn't just show up at 
uh, that employee's home with a lunchbox <laughs> and snatch his kid out of the right. house. And it was a conversation about what was needed and would this assistance be welcomed? And both he and his wife were more than excited about uh, were excited about it. Um, and, but I think it ties back to the relationships I built with these employees over that time period. This, this wasn't a shock to the employee or to his wife because we'd clearly gotten to know each other um, sure. and they felt more than comfortable with that. So, um, yeah, I'm sure for some people that I might have gone a little bit too far, but it was uh, something I was willing to do because I knew there was just nothing but positive intent behind it. I got to imagine that probably built a tremendous amount of trust or had a huge impact just in his overall performance, too. Oh, there's no question about it. Um that that employee uh, continued at the company for several years, but now um, operates his own business. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, so um, I, I know that he learned a ton. I know that in that role, he was uh, given an opportunity to take his learnings and create his own company. Um, and now he and his family, uh, now they actually have three children and they are uh, doing very well in another state as he runs his own business and his wife own, runs her own business as well. So, yeah. Wow. wow. You know, as I'm sitting here listening to you, it's just, uh, I think, important to to point out at the end of the day, it's really the the little things that matter most to our employees. It's what we do yeah. as managers. It's more of the little things that maybe impact them more on a personal level. Yeah, that really is, matter most. Yeah, there's no no doubt about that. It 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 is the little things, and uh, one of the stories that I often talk about in terms of my own growth and development uh, ties back to my uh, older brother. Uh, when when we were young, he was ultimately inducted into to the National Honor Society in our high school. I was still in elementary school at that time, and my mother made me go to the event uh, to watch him get inducted. Of course, I was annoyed because I would have preferred to just hang out with my friends, play basketball or whatever. But I go to the event, shirt and tie and everything. And as he was being inducted, uh, walking across the stage to get his pin and his certificate, I noticed this look on my mother's face that I'd never seen before. Um, she had this uh undeniable look of pride on her face and i'm like hmm this is interesting I, i've got to figure out how i can make her have that look um because while i was a good student and everything at that time i was not sean uh he was just a little bit different and i wanted to give her that exact same look and so it was just that little thing of her forcing me to attend this event uh, that i truly had no desire to attend uh that in my opinion, was the spark for me uh, to achieve, uh, to try harder, um, and ultimately um, become the successful executive I am today. Yeah. You know, and, and thanks for sharing that story. I, I appreciate it. It just goes to show how our beliefs are based on our experiences, right? The things no that about it. influence us and influence us as leaders and, and, and how we impact our own employees and the things we do. No doubt about it. We are all a product of our experiences. And for sure, growing up in a household with eight older brothers, seven older brothers and one older sister, I learned early on that everyone plays their part. Everyone yeah. does their job. And um, in the household I grew up in, if one person did not deliver, we all were in trouble for that. So um, every every person matters. Yeah. 
did it did it take a long time? I love the the comment, you know, the the what you shared about about your mom in terms of uh I, I love you all uh equally but differently. Is that right? That's exactly what she said. Yes. <laughs> I mean that's a fantastic saying. And um I gotta imagine it probably took time, you know, for your employees to realize that, you know, it wasn't favoritism, but it's you know, a journey of you trying to find a different levers to pull or things within your employees. For sure. I think uh, once the team members um, gained a bit more experience in the corporate environment and once they were exposed to other functions and other employees, um, I think they over time recognized that they were on a very unique team um that we were doing things uh that no other team had ever done and i think they learned to appreciate my leadership style and didn't spend as much time uh on innuendo and rumor and gossip and simply focused on being the best employees they could be and understanding that ultimately i was simply trying to help each one of them win in whatever manner uh, they thought winning meant. But what's interesting is some of the examples you you shared with me is, you know, I see kind of like the the Scott Holmes little boy learning from that experience that your mom dragged you to the school, and how you just explain your approach with your employees is almost giving them different experiences and exposing them to different things to give them different perspectives, which That's isn't easy. Which isn't easy to do. No, 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 no. But that's the exact point. I, I feel that my number one job is to support <clears throat> my team members uh, so that they can achieve whatever they're after. And as I mentioned, for some people, the next promotion is really what they're after. And so I have to support them and help them develop so that they can earn said promotion. For others, it could be something as simple as uh, relieving some uh, external stress. Uh, that they're experiencing and trying to support them through that. Um, I, I, again, I know that I work for a corporation and as a leader, my job is to make sure that they are effective in their roles, but um, it's the human side of me that always pushes me beyond uh, that boundary. Yeah. You know, I wish we as corporate America could show a lot more of that human side. It's actually what's needed more and more in the modern day for sure. Yeah, particularly absolutely. particularly in COVID times as well. The external pressure and stress that people are dealing with, um, you know, the managers sometimes don't even take the time to even ask, yeah, what's going yep. on. For sure, I think what what I what I did differently with the the new team that I am now leading, as I mentioned earlier, I spent more time on their character and getting to know them and and the fit, and so during this COVID experience, <clears throat> we have not had much unnecessary stress because. The people I brought onto this team, we all kind of operate the same way. We have the same value system um, and it works really well for us. And, and we all understand that we have a job to do, but ultimately life is really what matters. We all have families and other things going on. The job is important and we want to deliver um, excellent results 
but we have other things going on. So rem remaining flexible and open to um, accommodations or whatever um, has certainly helped this team thrive during a period where we spend no time together physically uh, for a year and a half. Uh, I, I have literally only seen members of my team once. Wow. Physically. Yeah. So. You know, I hear that consistently as I work with numerous clients that comes up a lot, hiring new employees and even after like a year, year and a half, having still haven't met them live. Yeah. Yeah. A little diff different times. But um, again, I think if you focus on on the fit, um, you can we can manage through uh, these COVID times. All right. So one more question for you. What advice would you give? to managers who might struggle with, with wanting to do a little bit more with their employees that, that, you know, aren't sure, well, maybe that's kind of crossing the line or I might be causing a, a problem in the team with favoritism or even, because it sounds like some of the things you did were voluntary, right? Like even going to your employee's house to, to, to help them paint their house, all voluntary. Um, but what advice would you give, you know, either new managers, probably even junior managers who might struggle with this, who may want to do more with their teams, but aren't sure how to approach it? You know, I think, you know, I try not to overcomplicate things, Rob. Um, I, one of my old friends always says, this is checkers, it ain't chess. Um, and so what I'd say is, as long as you are comfortable with what your intentions are, and you're able to read the room, meaning, of course, for some employees, it would be, it's okay for them to accept some additional assistance from you as a leader uh, in whatever form. Uh, but then for others, it's not okay. And I mm -hmm. think it's important to know that difference and and sort of balance it so again that's probably the only employee whose home i went to <laughs> um mm -hmm. others as i mentioned earlier they needed other things um so you've got to assess the situation to make sure that there's a that there's uh it, it's voluntary that it's welcomed um i think right. the welcomed part is what i would emphasize you yeah. you need to know the employee and again it comes back to their character their value system um, and would they simply appreciate it as um, as a, a, a gift <laughs> and nothing more than that? Um, you know, for for managers who are struggling with when it's OK to go beyond the boundaries of work versus personal, um, I think it's extremely important to wait until the employee brings it to your attention directly. Mm. Meaning when the team members, the team member who expressed some stress about traveling overnight and how that was going to impact his wife getting to work, uh, that employee came to me specifically and said, this is my challenge. And it was because there was a comfortable environment created. Um, the employee trusted me. And so he was open to share what was happening outside of work, knowing that as a leader, but more importantly, as a human, I would try to help him find a solution. In the, where it doesn't work well, in my opinion, was a time where 
the employee did not actually come directly to me seeking assistance. Mm. I heard of the employee's challenge or interest, and I just stepped in and tried to offer. And I think that to me was the difference. Um, I, I probably was too proactive in the one sense. Mm. And I think in my attempts to be proactive, it sent a different message to the employee, an unintended message. Um, and that simply did not go uh, as planned. Mm -hmm. So it kind of gets back to what you were talking about before. It's, you know, the intent piece of it, right? And I, and I like the, you know, you said the strategy of kind of allowing your employees to, to come to you. It, but, you know, it also, that also speaks volumes to the environment you create that allows employees to know that it's safe to come to you, to come talk to you, and yeah. use you as a sounding board. Right? Definitely. And again, I hate to keep going back to this, but I think it comes from my childhood. Mm -hmm. Being the youngest of nine children, every one of my siblings made it clear to me that they were the sounding board, right? No matter what I was experiencing, they clearly had already experienced and mm -hmm. could help me navigate um, the muddy waters of an urban uh, urban area. Um, and so <clears throat> their availability is something that certainly made it easier for me um, to progress and ultimately succeed. I, I often think I am one of the luckiest people in the world because I had eight older siblings who mm -hmm. experienced success, failure, tragedy, all kinds of things. And I was able to watch when they made the wrong left turn. I was able to see when they made the right, right turn and pattern my life to avoid some of the pitfalls they experienced. So when I think about it, if, if I ultimately ended up unsuccessful in this life, in my mind, it would have been solely my fault because I saw what worked and what didn't work. And I just simply tried to navigate those waters and ultimately become the leader I am today. Which is, sounds like how you approach your teams, helping them navigate through their waters. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, Scott, I truly appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your, your leadership story and sharing your stories with my listeners. I've always respected and admired you as a leader, but after this episode and even learning more about what you've done and continue to do behind the scenes for your employees, I mean, man, you just took it to a whole different level. And I appreciate even your humility. Again, as I said, I've worked closely with you and never knew, you know, half of this stuff. Yeah, so. well, this has been a real treat for me, Rob. As you know, I've been a fan of yours for a long time as well. Um, so thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast.